In January 2022, U.S. President Biden and the White House released a media statement announcing an all-encompassing effort to produce, provide, and distribute rapid COVID tests throughout the entire country, along with free and readily available access to testing facilities. This seemingly magnanimous effort, predicated on public safety and national defense, may, in reality, be a means of working around the inexplicable public aversion to vaccination mandates, but pushing the public into a forced vaccination mindset of their own design. This tactic is built on a not well-understood issue within medicine that has come to be known as overdiagnosis, and its key ingredient, excessive and unnecessary testing. I'm Ryan Nelson, and welcome to Conspiracy Theoryology. Welcome back, theoryologists. This from the January 14th, 2022 White House press release. The Biden administration is buying 1 billion tests to give to Americans for free. Online ordering of a half billion tests begins on January 19th, builds on significant actions to expand testing capacity and increase access to free testing. That's right. Testing, testing, testing. An effort to provide COVID at-home rapid tests for every man, woman, and child in the U.S., as well as removing all barriers to clinical testing access for those that need a little extra confirmation to feed the paranoia. In our last episode, I briefly discussed this scenario, but I wasn't certain if it was another tactic in the mandate discussion or not, or if it was driving another goal entirely. After a full read through the press release and a little bit of investigation, and I do mean just a little bit, I I didn't take long to figure out that the logic behind this effort, I got the confirmation we can use to understand how this quote-unquote magnanimous testing effort is just a plan B approach to keep the pandemic panic alive. And, well... In addition, this approach offers a circumvention to the mandate approach, should that effort completely fail in the courts. But before you take my word for it that this is a topic for conspiracy theory, let's first go through the breadth of this plan so that we have a full understanding of how expansive and pervasive this testing endeavor is. An Introduction from the Press Release Quote, testing is an important tool to help mitigate the spread of COVID-19. Public health experts and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention recommend that Americans use at-home tests if they begin to have symptoms, at least five days after coming in close contact with someone who has COVID-19 or are gathering indoors with a group of people who are at risk of severe disease or the unvaccinated, to help ensure Americans have tests on hand if a need arises, the Biden administration is purchasing 1 billion at-home rapid COVID tests to give to Americans for free. A half billion tests will be available for order on January 19th and will be mailed directly to American households. 
There will be free tests available for every household, and to promote broad access, the initial program will allow four free tests to be requested per residential address. Starting January 19th, Americans will be able to order their tests online at covidtests.gov, and tests will typically ship within 7 to 12 days of ordering. So, there you go. End of quote. A test for everyone and every home. Have the sniffles? Test. Feel the least bit sore? Test. Afraid that the person that sneezed seven aisles over at the grocery store gave you COVID? Test twice. Don't worry, we'll make more. In fact, make it fun for the whole family. Replace family game night with family testing night. (laughs) An activity that everyone can enjoy as you eagerly await the results. Clearly, that should provide the peace of mind we need to fight this bioscourge. But wait, there's more. We can't stop in the home. To continue from the White House, in addition to this new program, there are many other options for Americans to get tested. There are now over 20,000 free testing sites across the nation, including four times as many pharmacies participating in the federal pharmacy free testing program as there were in January of 2021, as well as federal surge free testing sites with more free testing sites open each week. Millions of free at-home COVID-19 tests have been delivered to thousands of community health centers and rural health clinics to distribute to their patients, with more delivered each week. In addition, the administration provided schools $10 billion in American Rescue Plan funding to get tests to K-12 school districts. And the administration invested nearly $6 billion in ARP funding to cover free tests for uninsured individuals and support testing in correctional facilities, shelters for people experiencing homelessness, and mental health facilities. Just this week, the administration also announced that starting January 15th, private health insurance companies will be required to cover at-home COVID-19 tests for free, and made an additional 10 million COVID-19 tests available to schools nationwide each month. End quote. We see that the home in, is only the beginning. Testing will be available in every clinic, drugstore, pharmacy, health center, testing center, at no cost. Think of the possibilities. These tests can be available at your job site, your churches, your children's schools, and everywhere else that you might accidentally come into contact with the great unwashed. I I know you are already convinced at how wonderful this plan is, but I'll give you the details anyway. Just to make sure we didn't miss anything, the rest of the press release is, is organized in bullet points. So let's work through them. But... (laughs) <laughs> Don't worry about taking notes. Seriously, just just remember the highlights. These all just reinforce the underlying lining theme of drowning us in COVID tests. And I will be saying the word tests a lot more. Point one. 
distributing at-home rapid COVID-19 tests to American homes for free. This program will ensure that Americans have at-home rapid COVID-19 tests available in the weeks and months ahead. In addition to the number of other ways they can get tested, the administration is quickly completing a contracting process for the unprecedented purchase of one billion at-home rapid tests to distribute as part of this program. The Department of Defense, in coordination with the Department of Health and Human Services, has already awarded several of the contracts that will result from this process with over 420 million tests already under contract. Okay, so let me pull out of here and say the DOD is involved. And presumably, that's how the money is being funneled. I suppose they make the argument that this is a matter of national security, and that's why it's all funneled through DOD. But let's continue. Bullet point two, requiring health insurers to cover the cost of at-home COVID-19 tests starting January 15th. On Monday, the administration announced that starting January 15th, private insurance companies will be required to cover at-home COVID-19 tests. This means consumers with private health insurance coverage will be able to get these tests for free. Insurance companies and health plans are required to cover eight free at-home tests per covered individual per month. (laughs) So be prepared for your insurance premiums to increase in some way. (laughs) But I digress. Bullet point number three. Making 10 million more tests available to schools nationwide. On Wednesday, the administration took new actions to increase access to COVID-19 testing in schools. This included increasing the number of COVID-19 tests available to schools by 10 million per month to help schools safely remain open and implement screening testing and test-to-stay programs, which will allow schools to double the volume of testing they were performing in November of 2021 and supporting free testing access for students, school staff, and families through federal testing sites. Okay, so make no mistake about it either. They won't have to ask permission to test your child unless it's absolutely illegal in your state. Okay, the next bullet point. Standing up new federal surge-free testing sites to help states and communities that need additional testing capacity as they battle Omicron, the administration had has rapidly stood up many new federal-free testing sites across the nation over the past several weeks. All right, bullet point number five. Increase overall testing supply in the U.S. Starting last February, administration, the administration has used the Defense Production Act, Industrial Mobilization and Advanced Purchase Commitments to ramp up supply of testing, including at-home rapid tests. This includes three billion dollars in advance purchase commitments this fall, which allowed domestic testing manufacturers to increase production, add factory lines, increase staffing, and move up manufacturing timelines. Increase the number of tests authorized in the U.S. In March, 
To bring more at-home rapid tests to market, the administration worked to create a new streamlined pathway for manufacturers to more quickly receive authorization from the Food and Drug Administration for their tests. Bullet 7. Increase the number of places to get tested in the U.S. Since January 2021, the administration has more than quadrupled the number of pharmacies participating in the federal program for in-store testing from 2,500 to over 10,000. At the President's direction, FEMA has provided states, tribes, and territories with 100% reimbursement for a range of testing costs, including state-run testing sites, since January. And the last bullet, increase access to free testing in the U.S., From the start, the administration has taken significant action to reduce the cost of testing and increase access to free testing. Last February, the administration required insurers to cover provider-ordered testing for free, including for asymptomatic individuals. Okay, that's it for the press release. That's most of it. And I know I repeated it, uh, you read a lot of it, but but I, I wanted you to hear the full expansive area. I mean, it is expansive. It's invasive. <laughs> it's almost tyrannical, you might say. I'll save you from the maniacal chuckle that I think this deserves, though. But seriously, I know you may be questioning if this is a, a bad thing at all. Let's ask that question in the back of our minds. W- what's so bad with providing free tests and testing for covid regardless of any questions regarding the seriousness or the severity of the pandemic. And for that matter, if the government is focusing on testing, isn't that better than vaccine mandates or masking or lockdowns? In theory, we can get back to whatever normal is now. And these are good questions and reasonable of you to ask. The answer to those questions, though, I think is provided in context to the broad scope of action being taken by the government. Testing has always been part of the larger plan of attack during the pandemic, but never an alternative to other required actions, such as quarantine or masks or vaccination and social distancing. No, testing has been used as a spark meant to ignite the powder keg. Consider that. Without a test you don't have COVID. I mean, okay, you you can't be certain it's COVID, right? A number of illnesses share like symptoms. None of those illnesses requiring the need to quarantine or to check into a hospital. In fact, with the asymptomatic narrative so heavily pushed without testing, your only option is to walk around shamefully hoping that you aren't a contagious bioweapon meant to doom all others around you because evil COVID pixie dust is emanating from you undetected. Or you get a test. If it's positive, you can dive headfirst into personal lockdown, warning everyone you passed in the last six months, all while reporting to every contact tracing entity you can think of. If it's negative, you can breathe a sigh of relief knowing that you have dodged a bullet that the media has guaranteed is lethal. If you're vaccinated, it's even more essential, 
right? A negative test for the fully vaxxed is absolute irrefutable evidence that you made the right choice, did your part to save humanity, and without the shot, you would certainly have suffered horribly. <laughs> but a positive test, well, that's even more exciting. It's proof that you need to get a booster or maybe go protest for the right to get the booster because the government hasn't gotten around to approving the seventh or eighth or ninth booster shot yet. Sorry, I, I'm being pithy and sarcastic, but I am trying to make a point. Testing is not a redirection of pandemic response. In fact, we just talked about mandates still being battled in court. If testing was the path back to normal, then all these mandate edicts would be withdrawn. And they're not. No, there, there's a conspiracy theory to be drawn from this broad testing effort. At first, I considered that it might be part of the discussion of reciprocal concession from our last episode that we discussed uh, the mandates. But that didn't really make sense because, as we learned, alternatives to extreme offers in a negotiation must be considered similar and like and kind. But a completely voluntary testing option is, isn't comparable to mandatory compulsory vaccination. It, it almost appears to be a complete capitulation, right? A throwing in of the towel, if you will, for the pro-vaccine mandate crowd. But then I realized, is it really an abandonment of vaccine proliferation? I don't think so. Instead, to me, it's an insidious means of completely circumventing the legal roadblocks confounding mandates by using our own psychology to enforce it ourselves. And here's where we can dive into our theology and answer the question of why is the U.S. government providing the means of continuing and continuous testing for all of its citizens? The answer lies in a concept called overdiagnosis. I've pulled this information from a 2018 article originally published in the Journal for the College of Family Physicians of Canada and pulled through the NIH library website. So let's cover it in questions. What is it? Well, overdiagnosis refers to the diagnosis of a condition that otherwise would not have caused symptoms or death. In other words, it's the detection of a condition without any possible benefit of early treatment to the person with the condition. <laughs> okay, the next question, and you may be asking this, isn't that just misdiagnosis, right? Isn't that just a bad diagnosis? Well, misdiagnosis and false positives are related, but they're distinctly different concepts. Misdiagnosis is an incorrect diagnosis of a condition, often owing to the lack of diagnostic specificity. Um, it, it gives us an example it, that cellulitis, when a patient has swelling and redness of a, a toe, that's actually owing it to gout, right? So, so it's just a, a bad diagnosis. Um, and the wrong thing. A false positive occurs when an initial test result is positive for an abnormality, such as, say, something called microcalcification that's seen on uh, uh, a mammogram. But a follow-up test, uh, example like a biopsy, uh, results uh, reveal no disease. 
misdiagnosis and false positives can also lead to harms due to subsequent investigations and unnecessary treatment. But that's not overdiagnosis, right? These are just bad calls and misdiagnosis. Overdiagnosis, though, is an accurate diagnosis for something that doesn't necessarily need to be addressed. Now, why is this a problem? See, overdiagnosis can lead to serious harms. Psychological and behavioral effects of labeling consequences of subsequent testing, including invasive testing, treatments, and follow-up, and financial effects on the individual who is overdiagnosed and even on society as a whole. Overtreatment following overdiagnosis can lead to clinically important consequences. It says, including death from the side effects of the treatment. For example, sepsis in a patient undergoing chemotherapy for treatment of an overdiagnosed cancer. Um, or higher rates of myocardial infarcation and suicide have been reported in men with prostate cancer in the year after diagnosis. Now, I should... I should preface this as we continue on, that overdiagnosis as a study has been observed and is being observed largely in the cancer community. Of course, the the world is at war with cancer. It's something that we found is just prolific. Um, And yet, one of the, the things that's been brought up is maybe we're dealing with cancer when we shouldn't. Um. And so we can continue on and you'll, you'll, you'll see how this applies. You've already heard some of those. See, overdiagnosis, it's self-perpetuating. Those who might have been overdiagnosed then encourage others to undergo testing without considering the potential harms of testing and the subsequent workup or treatment, right? All of this sounds very familiar with what's been happening over the last two years. But what are the prerequisites of this, of identifying overdiagnosis? Well, overdiagnosis is much more likely to occur in conditions, and this is important, with very slow or no progression to symptoms or death. Also essential for overdiagnosis is a test a test that detects the condition in the early asymptomatic state. To be effective, screening requires a long asymptomatic phase and a test to detect the condition during that time. As not all individuals with uh, an asymptomatic condition will ever become symptomatic, overdiagnosis is inherent to any form of effective screening. The proportion of overdiagnosed cases differs from each disease. <laughs> I, I think that's, that's pretty self-explanatory right there. And again, you can draw the parallels. But what are the factors leading to increasing overdiagnosis? Well, increased rates of testing, increased frequency or wider use of the test in low-risk groups, implementation of higher sensitivity tests, physician or patient desire to not miss a diagnosis, widened disease definitions, 
example, lower threshold for uh, diabetes diagnosis and financial incentives, <laughs> i.e. payment for increased testing and screening referrals can all lead to increased overdiagnosis. Okay, I could reread that entire section and plug in our battles with COVID throughout the whole thing. Increased rates of testing, right? We're seeing that right now. Increased frequency or wider use in low-risk groups. Children, uh, healthy adults. Implementation of higher sensitivity tests, i.e. the high uh, threshold in PCR testing. That physician or patient desire not to miss a diagnosis <laughs> because it's become cool and trendy to, to have COVID. People want to get it almost to have lived through it and a widened disease definition, right? COVID became something that you didn't have to have any symptoms of. You could catch broadly every symptom that was exhibited became associated with COVID and of course, financial incentives. And we went through earlier how many millions and millions of dollars are being distributed for this increased testing and screening. Overdiagnosis can arise when criteria for a disease are modified to include more individuals. This is often done without confirmation of benefit for a substantial portion of those labeled with the disease based on the new definition. Increasing use and overuse of tests can lead to detection of unrelated incidents a version of overdiagnosis. For example, increasing use of imaging tests like computed tomography scans or CT scans leads to detection of unrelated asymptomatic conditions such as renal carcinoma or a small aortic aneurysm. And again, these examples are referring often to things associated with cancer. Consequently, it was demonstrated recently that uh, something called a uh, nephrectomy were linked to the number of scans done, not to the actual in incidences of renal cancer. Overtreatment through surgery is now recognized to be one of the risks of excessive CT imaging in the case of that example. And that's what we're seeing now. What did we see? Uh ventilation uh, uh, for patients that were uh, admitted into hospitals with COVID as opposed to from COVID, many of whom never, never got off the ventilators. Overdiagnosis can also occur when there is concurrent disease that leads to death and the overdiagnosed disease would not have had time to progress to being symptomatic as is likely for both the cases that they've used in the examples above, as well as for COVID. I mean, there it is. Overdiagnosis as a weapon. It's short and sweet. Every single one of those items draws a parallel to what we've experienced during this pandemic. Like, pushing the public at gunpoint into a continuous state of fear and confirmation bias that promotes the continued need for pandemic posture. 
This is our answer to understanding the unstated true goal of the testing, distribution, and availability. This White House press release is letting the public know that it's okay to stay scared, that vigilance against this ever-diminishing threat is both encouraged and available. While overdiagnosis, as you've probably surmised from the paper, was identified while evaluating problems of unnecessary and possibly harmful cancer treatments, it's clearly applicable to other areas. COVID is treated like cancer in the minds of the public that is convinced that it's an inevitability and a certain death sentence without treatment. Treatments that are potentially damaging, if not lethal, themselves. The public will lean on testing because it gives a sense of control. This will lead to overdiagnosis and progress to unnecessary treatment, while a solution to this created problem is to simply not test at every feeling of suspicion, it will become socially unacceptable to avoid testing. Family, friends, employers, and leaders will hold you accountable. The only means of avoiding criticism or social judgment, vaccination. Stay up to date with your vaccinations and use masks and social distancing to avoid potential risk uh, activity and proactively will be the only means of avoiding a need to test. The public is going to enforce their own mandate, an imprisonment to the duty of testing and of their own making, all because of a constant supply of free and readily available COVID tests. They didn't put that in the White House press release, did they? All right. I think that covers it all, so we will say that that's it for today. Thanks so much for joining me. Click that follow or subscribe button so that you do not miss the discussion. Of course, connect with me via email, contact at conspiracytheoryology.com. And if you enjoyed the show, please recommend it to others. There is no higher compliment than to know that you have shared the show with others. All the info can be found at the show website www.conspiracytheoryology.com Music is by Adam Henry Garcia. If you'd like to hear more, visit adamhenrygarcia.bandcamp.com Alright, we'll talk again next time. But until then, remember, beyond the conspiracy and behind the belief lies the theoryology. <laughs>